I want to open up the message with purpose and function, with the idea that Mario, many of you know Mario, he plays the bass for the church. He's not here today. Big, tall guy. that came into my office a few weeks ago and talked to me about boxes. He said, you know, boxes are interesting because the purpose of every box is the exact same. The purpose of the box is to hold what is valuable inside. The purpose of a box is to keep something protected from the exterior elements, from being thrown around. If a box wasn't there, you would never get your package intact, right? A box is truly an amazing thing. But what he said about the box that kind of got my mind spinning on this message is that a box's life changes multiple times. Like, no matter if it's this large box or it's the box that came with the, the dog food or the small boxes that we got of pencil sharpener or whatever it is, those boxes all have the same watch, purpose. But the box, based on what's inside, have different functions. So what happens now is after this box gets, you know, we open it up and we rip it up, we then fold it down and we put it into what? Recycling bin. That goes wherever it goes, and it comes back. And guess what? It may come back to our house, but it doesn't look like this. So what I want you to see right off the bat this morning in, in this concept of purpose and function is that the purpose of, our, of this box will never change, but the function evolves. And now I want you to take that analogy and squarely put it on yourself. How many of you know that we all, watch, we all have the same purpose. But I want to tell you something. None of us have the same function. Ready to hear this today? I want to show you something because the more I dig into this with this concept and the more I, I kind of I, I do research, I realize that anywhere you find in the New Testament, whether it's the command of Christ, which we're going to show you in a second, or whether it's the setting up of the early church in Jerusalem, or whether it's um, looking at the example of Paul on his missionary journeys to the Gentiles, what we're encouraged to do constantly within the New Testament is to remain um, focused on our purpose. Our purpose, your purpose is simple. It starts here in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. A lot of you know this. If you'll put that up, it says, but you, uh, let's see, it says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to what? All creation. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, when Jesus is leaving, if you'll go back, if you'll go back for a second, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Look at this in Matthew chapter 25 where it says this, therefore go and make what? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What I want you to see right off the bat this morning, it is, is totally undeniable that your purpose is to grow the kingdom of God while you are on planet Earth. Somebody say amen to that. Okay, meaning this, like our purpose is actually not to... Um, to do everything we can to build up a 401k. Like a lot of people, that's, that, I mean, truly, how many of you can think of someone right now? Like their defining purpose is to get as much as they can, conserve as much as they possibly can on this earth so that they can get someplace where they can retire and play um, Scrabble every day with different people and watch Fox News. Or, or whatever. 
or, or CNN. What doesn't matter? What do I, what, I guess what I'm saying is the purpose of our life is not so, what, from what we see right here, that we can conserve and save. It's actually for you and me to actually spend our life on other people, winning them for Christ. Now, if you don't agree to that, then you're going to hate this sermon. I want to show you another area, right? In John chapter 15, it says this, right? Where it says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will what? Bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is, my father, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. What is he saying? He's saying, if you are one of my disciples, you'll prove it by what? Bearing much fruit that brings glory to God. I'm trying to show you very, very quickly today in some verses that your and I's purpose is singular. Singular. Okay? Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. This is one of the most famous of all verses, right? Matthew chapter 5, and I had him do it large. You are, that is definitive. You are the salt of the earth. You. Every one of us has Christ living inside of us, we're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, as Christians many times do, how do Christians lose saltiness? By being diluted. Salt is like, um, it, it cannot be, be, um, lose its saltiness unless it's put into something where it is dispersed and diluted. Christians are losing their saltiness. Okay. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Again, our purpose is we are salt and light. Here's another one. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. The one who plants and the one who waters work together for the same. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers. And you are God's field. You are God's building. We're hammering this. For you to see purpose. One more. Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 through 38. Right here. Jesus went through all the towns and villages. Teaching in their synagogues. Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds. He had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples. The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. And I love this. Ask the Lord of the harvest therefore. To send out workers in the harvest field. Meaning this. That this planet right now, the harvest is wide open for us. What we need is more people to tap in and understand their singular purpose and actually, what? Make disciples. It's singular. It's your purpose is full-time. It's not part-time. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, right? It says this, so whether you eat or whether you drink, or whether you cheer for your ball team, or whether you purchase a stock on Fidelity, or whether you go to work, or whatever you do, do it what? For the glory of you. No. We're good at that. Yep. We're good at that. Glory for us, right? No, do it for the glory of what? God. 
Whatever you do, it's singular. Finally, Romans chapter 12. I'm trying to prove something to you. I'm trying to layer something right off the bat today. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, the guys over in ISI have been studying the book of Romans for the last, I don't know, four or five months. And the book of Romans is, to me, the book of Romans is um, it's kind of like the, the staple of the entire Bible. Like, all it does is it teaches doctrine there. Um, the book of Romans constantly, for the first 11 chapters, if you were to really dive into Romans and really pour your heart into it, you would see themes about freedom. You would see themes about salvation and adoption and grace and hope and righteousness. And for 11 chapters, Paul exhausts this. And by the way, if you study Romans and you go through those first 11 chapters, quite frankly, you're kind of exhausted. Like, as you're reading, you're like, oh, my goodness, this guy keeps pounding these same themes. And then all of a sudden, in Romans chapter 12, he turns it on its head. And he says, after 11 chapters that I've written, or obviously it wasn't chapters when he wrote it, but as I've written all this, now what I want you to do is I want you to make your life in what? View of God's mercy. And I want you to turn around and I want you to make it a sacrifice. I want you to take your life that's like no one else's. I want you to take your life that has a future that is not based upon your past. The life that God gives, I want you to do this in response. I want you to show your gratitude by what? Making your life a sacrifice. And frankly, some of us here in 2020, some of us even sitting in this room or listening online, um, what we've done with that call right there is we've said, Lord, if you knew my schedule, Or, or, or how about this? Lord, I have to take care of this first. Or Lord, I'm not equipped. And, 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 and what I, what I, what I want to just say, not to hit anybody hard, that's nothing but an excuse in your gratitude. Because this says, in view of God's mercies, in view of these 11 chapters, in view of the knowledge of what you truly are as a believer, now the call is for you to present your body as a living sacrifice. By the way, that's, that's like, it sounds, that's the different direction than where I'm wanting to go today in the message. Where I want to go, now that we have defined our purpose, is for you to look at the next few verses in this. Because the next few verses are about your function. Say function. Let's see this in Romans chapter 12. It says this, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We all belong to each other in the body of Christ. That is kind of, I think, very monumental there. We, we share, we, 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 we go together. We are literally a moving, living body. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for what? Doing certain things well. 
So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So so what we talked about at the beginning is, is the idea that you are salt and light. Right, That we are supposed to be our purpose, our purpose like this box to protect anything that's inside of it. You have a singular purpose just like me. Me and Luke have the exact same purpose. But me and Luke's function is different. So this bears the question today. Why, why oh why, is there so much burnout in church? Why are there so many people who are operating in their gifts um, fading away in the giving of those gifts? Why are there, why are there bodies all the way around? And, and you could talk to so many pastors and you would say, yeah, my body has um, unsustainable uh, effort in actually the giving of their gifts. Why is this? What's happening here with people's different function, waxing and waning? Is it just because based off of their circumstances? And I think I have an answer for that. It's two parts. Ready? The reason why our function, right, is not sustainable is number one, because many of us, watch, are joyless in our function. And the second reason for that, it's kind of compounded, is because many of us have been forced into a function that is not our own. Are you hearing me today? Some of you can testify to this right away. The greatest humble pill that I've ever had in my life, (laughs) the greatest, is being married to a talented, powerful woman, watch, who doesn't think, react, plan, worship, or process the same way I do. That's the greatest humble pill I've ever taken. As a leader and as a man, like in my mind, it should be exactly the same. Like her and I's last name is Heggy. We have the same purpose and shouldn't we have the same function? Uh Uh-uh. It's a humility pill for me. Because for me, what I do and what I bring to the game is this intense, and so many of you, you guys will snicker at this. I bring this hyper-focus to everything. This, this effort that's 100%, that is mind over matter, and it's filled with perseverance, and, and it's, it's highly intense and sometimes oblivious to everyone around me. That's, that's what I bring to the game. And what my beautiful wife brings to the game is this incredibly intelligent, creative, efficient, right, energy that's filled with calmness and poise. We couldn't be more different And I got to be honest with you, in the early part of our marriage, this is what was going on. Wait, 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 wait. Listen, listen. Our love of God, our devotion to God, how it's acted out, how it serves, how we serve, we have to be the same here. I'm trying to take um, and put her into this exact same function as me. Talk about grinding. Talk about, watch, pride. 
But instead, now 16 years later, right, we operate in the exact same purpose, completely different functions, but in total unification. And guess what? In the kingdom of God and the body that we serve, they're better for it. Why? Because I stopped and left behind this idea that my function is hers. Because mine has this some sort of patriotic, ha, 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 I'm going to try harder than anyone. Follow me. And she's going, you're dumb. I'll just do it faster than you. And, and I won't even like have to sweat about it, right? And she rubs it in my face all the time. It's totally ungodly, right? But, but you see what I'm, where I'm going at. We know the story of, of David and Goliath super good. We talk about it probably six, seven times during, during the year. Little illustrations. But I think one of the cool illustrations that don't get talked about a lot is, is the moment um, before David goes to battle. Right? We know that Goliath had been there. He's standing up on the mountainside for 40 days. He's cursing the, the, the God of, the, of Israel, right? There's a bunch of people that are completely shook, and they're not going to go out and fight him, right? And here comes David, and he gets made fun of by his brothers. He gets made fun of by everybody. Hey, you're just a boy. And then Saul looks at him and said, you can't go out there. Hey, listen, if you go out there and fight him, we're going to lose, and the whole country's going to be gone. And finally, David says, hey, listen, this is who I am. This is what I'm made for. This is my function at this time. And Saul says, okay, may the Lord go with you. And then something really interesting happens. What does Saul try to do? Look at this in 1 Samuel 17. It says, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor around him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and he tried walking around because he was not used to them. David says, I can't go in these because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of a shepherd's bag and with the sling in a hand, approached the Philistine. There's some interesting things about this. I just did a little tiny, just a little bit of digging. In that time, and we've even seen this like hypothetically in movies, right? To wear someone else's armor meant to be empowered by that actual person. So is it possible, right? To wear someone's armor, um, you would almost share in that person's being. Was, was Saul trying to take credit here? Interesting, right? But what I want you to see is I want you to notice this, that Saul was a warrior. David was a shepherd at that time. At that time. Guys, your function evolves. Your gifting gets better. You become mature in what God has given you, right? Well, I can't do that. You can't do that now. But if you do what you can do with what you have been given, as you become excellent at that, doing it well, I just believe this, those that are faithful in little will be faithful in much and God will deposit into you more function at a different time. See, at this moment right here, David was a shepherd. Saul was a man. David was a teenager. Saul was completely independent of the Lord. The, the Bible says that the Spirit of God left Saul while David spent his time in worship all the time. 
So what, what David really says in great respect to Saul here is he says, hey, listen, your armor doesn't fit for me to accomplish the goal. Okay? Hear this analogy. The very thing that would help Saul would actually, watch, hinder David. What if David went out and tried to, like, go against Goliath with that armor on? Because it's his king that's asking him. Like, the highest in the land says, hey, put this on. There's got to be a little pressure there. Okay, let me put it on. Oh, this is really heavy, but I don't want to offend this guy. Um, I've got to get this done. I'm going to go. He would have been dead. His function was not as a warrior. It was the man for the hour, and God had prepared him with the perfect way to take out a giant from far distance. Okay? There's this weird, you guys got to get the analogy, there's this weird sentiment and, and, and some sort of strange, disgusting hierarchy in the church that would say that we're to imitate one another. No. Ephesians chapter 5, 1 says, be busy imitating God as dear children. Are you hearing me? So where we see burnout in the church, and there is, even in this, this little church, where we see friction within the church, is when we're trying to fit inside someone else's function. That's, that's where, that's where these, these factions come, these frustrations come when you're trying to operate outside of someone else and inside someone else's calling. Okay, this is a teaching today, guys, that we got to get and we got to understand. I, I want us to, to move forward in this. Look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 through 31. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. And then he says this rhetorically, are all of you apostles? Are all of you prophets? Are all of you teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts and I'll show you an excellent way. You and me, this is important, cannot be motivated by the shame of not functioning like someone else in this body. Like we're motivated by that sometimes. How can Pastor Marcella pray for three hours here? I can barely pray for three minutes. So there's shame in that. And then the enemy goes, you worthless. You're not a real Christian. You, you can't look at her. You see how like something so good can be taken so negative in a body. Not every single one of you can pick up right now and fly over to Zimbabwe for a month, but there are some of you in here that can do that. Not every single one of you right here can write a check for the entire amount of that. Not every single one of you can. Not every single one of you want and believe that your function is to serve in children's church. Some of you, just that idea stresses you out, okay? Not every one of us right here can show up to Northtown every first Sunday, uh, Saturday of the month. That's not your function. But what happens is when we're out there at Northtown and we're going, where is it? Where is everybody? What's going on here? The, the, the concept here and what happens in bodies where they start arguing is that there's judgment cast because we're worried why people aren't doing what we're actually called to do. 
Okay? Not every single one of us in this church have a prophetic word. There's one of you in here that like this week, just this week alone, have sent me like four different words. And you know what? It's encouraged me so much. But Kristen hasn't. Don, you haven't. But what happens is we start to, as you know, guys, there's these these weird levels and ideas of spirituality. (laughs) I'm downloading information from the Lord and... And that is cool, but it's also cool to go out and go down to Northtown and cut a big old palm tree and say, this right here is for the glory of God, just like that prophetic word. Okay? So if we're motivated by the shame, we have a problem. At the first of the year, I, first of, of January, January, yeah, January 4th, I decided, here's the plan. And I got with a brother in the church and I said, dude, we, I want, let's us together as brothers hold each other accountable to waking up every single morning at 5.30 or 6, reading our word, praying for multiple different things. And on our lunch break, we're going to send little video clips of what we got during the day. Okay. That was my idea. And I got to tell you, it was powerful. For me, who has two kids, I could wake up before anybody else at the house, right? And I'd have no distraction. I'd have time with my Lord. And the the person that I was connected with, he doesn't have kids, right? So it's not a big deal for him at all to wake up early. In fact, he'd rather be up at 2 in the morning than at like 2 in the morning all night than be up at 5.30, right, to do this. And so what was going on over the first month and a half of our, our time of devotion together is I, he could probably see the light in my eyes. Man, this is so cool. This is what God's saying to me. Dude, I prayed for you today. I prayed for your wife. I prayed for your business. Here we go. And I could just see on his, you know, by the time mid-January rolled around, he's like, oh, bro, uh, I, do, uh, I didn't get much today. Um, here, I'll send you a link. And I saw something so interesting. He was in it because he was feeling guilty rather than feeling blessed in that moment. We're totally different people. And for, do you understand? And, and, and we just have to be careful is my point. Because shame is not a lasting motivation. Amen? You guys with me this morning? Will you put those pictures up? I do some, I've been doing some planting at the house. Um, so this is, yeah, don't laugh, all right? <laughs> I, I just want you to get this, though. That needs water, light, right, on a consistent basis. Now look at the next one. That needs water and light too. But if I feed the same amount of water to that one as I do to go to the back to that one, I'm going to drown the flowers. Did you hear that? Can you get the analogy? We, we get into this vibe where we've, where we've determined what is spiritual and what is not, and we're forcing it rather than letting it be something that's coming from the inside. Watch and produces joy in you. 
This is a famous parable, the parable of the talents. Look at this right here. Uh, this, this cannot go understated. Put that next verse up, if you will, Barb. It says this, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on as a journey. Well, that's not fair, God. You gave this guy five and you gave me one. What's up with that? Uh, your ability is not where it is. Your maturity isn't. I'm certainly not going to give Lincoln Heggie, my seven-year-old, $50 over... Actually, I may do that. If you know their abilities. You have a different ability, Dana, than DeCoven. God's gifted you differently. I'm, I'm just trying to grind this into you because I feel like we, we're growing, in some ways we're growing apart secretly by believing the lie that we've arrived. Your function, what you may do right now, and by the way, it's changed a lot, may be completely different in 10 years. Can you imagine? Our functions change Interesting enough, Jesus dealt with people so differently. Did you ever notice that Jesus, he, he listened to the woman at the well give her entire story, right? And then when the scribes and the Pharisees began to speak, he went, ah, woe to you. And then Jesus, what? He was very, I think, very patient with his disciples. But then when he walked into where they were exchanging money in the church, he took those tables and went, whoa, Right? Christ was, was what? Complimentary of the faith of the man that said, hey, I don't need you to come here. But then on the other hand, what? He was tender to the woman. And I'm just trying to get the point across to you. And so what some of you are doing right now, I, I can kind of feel this. And I had a feeling this would happen. Some of you are sitting back and you're going, yes. Yeah, Jay, go get him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great, great. Here, now I don't have to do anything because it's not my function. You would do that. I'm not telling you this, right, that you're always going to be comfortable in your function. I'm not telling you that you're always going to be refreshed in your function. And, and I got to be honest with you, in the body of Christ, you're not always going to like your function. But doing your function will, will always produce joy in you. Right? There's a difference between liking something and having joy in it. Obedience brings joy. I can obey going, and then at the end go, man, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me, for strengthening me, for encouraging me to do what you've called me to do. That obedience brings joy. So I want to be clear here. This is not a get out of jail card free. As some of us would say, okay? If it is a get out of jail card free, if you're misinterpreting this sermon like that, then I'll say this, then you missed Romans chapter 12, verse one, that said living sacrifice. You've missed that part of the whole message. Are you a living sacrifice or are you a living consumer? 
I'm going to say this. Some of us think, by the way, that our problems are proprietary only to us. We have first world problems. Go spend a bunch of time right, in another country and tell me about your problems, about your Wi-Fi not being fast enough, or your Postmates driver being late, and you losing your witness over that. I, I, I want to make sure that when everyone walks away, you understand that you are so needed in the body of Christ. You're so needed. It's vital. And you could say this, hey, pastor, you guys have so many competent people doing so much. Let me tell you what's really hard as a pastor. Now being a pastor for 23 years and senior pastor for 10 years, what's really hard as a pastor is finding someone else to do your job in this body. <laughs> like if you're designed to be a giver, if that's your function in this body right here, but you're withholding that and you're not doing that, we're hamstringed by that. Like you were called into this body for that purpose at this time. And if you decide not to do that because you're not liking that function at this time, then guess what? We're limping. If a body is hurt right here, hamstring, bang, go ahead and try to run a race. If you're the hamstring and you're not operating rightly, get the analogy, then we're going like this down the road. If your function and your design right now is to be prophetic in this church and you're waiting on Pastor Jay to elevate you, then guess what? We're hindered by your fear. Period. If you're designed, if your function is to serve in hospitality and you're not doing it, then we're deficient in hospitality. And then what happens is then I have to take, I, I'm just going to say this, um, Eli. And I'm going to bring Eli up and go, hey, dude, would you mind being in the coffee area? And he's going, what the heck, dude? Because why would he? He's a servant. He, he'll help. But the point is, is, is that some of us are taking this message and going, well, because I don't feel it, because it's not my function, right? right? Then, you, then you're saying that you just sit on the sidelines. You are so needed in this body. You are so needed for us to actually reach the community around. We are dependent upon you doing what God has called you to do. By the way, God is not going to call you or ask you to perform a function that you are not capable of doing. So what I think has to happen is we have to start recognizing this, that many of us have not presented our body as a living sacrifice first. Because once that happens, the purpose, purpose happens, then you get the opportunity to ascertain and find out what your function is. And then because you are a living sacrifice, you do that function wholeheartedly. Okay. By the way, for guests today, I know this is like, man, what is, does this guy preach like this all the time? Yes, I do. <laughs> this is a message for our body of people who are sitting on the sidelines. Okay? I want to say this to leadership. 
I want to say this to husbands and wives. This is a secret. That's no longer going to be a secret. It's okay to enjoy your function too. Like, I don't know about you, but if you're in something and you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing And then this person is in the, in the same body and he's just, you're just like, dude, what? can you just enjoy my pain for a second? And by the way, that happens in a marriage sometimes, right? Where, one of the, where, where someone's just loving life and the other person's going, this sucks, right? And then you have disdain towards them because they're actually where God wants them. They're not fighting it. They're feeling blessed. They're feeling encouraged. And you're just, you're supposed to enjoy your function. Okay? Some of you guys are doing this right now. I can see that. So, so let's try to be definitive and then we'll close this, okay? How do we ascertain this? How, how can we figure out what our function truly is? Try to remember this. What do you do for God that fills you with the Spirit? Start there. What do you do for God that fills you with the Spirit? Meaning this, I want you to discipline yourself in growing the thing that gives you joy in the spirit world daily. So, so here's what's crazy. Um, Thursday night, a brother of mine, he set up this, like his camera. I didn't even know he could do this. He sets up the camera and he starts playing his guitar for me. No one in this church, we know this guy, we don't know that he plays guitar. And he goes, dude, a lot of times I just do this, and he start playing, he goes, and I just start praying, and I'm so filled with joy. That is part of his function. Whatever, wit, whatever you do where you commune with the Lord that is beneficial, watch, that moment right there of refreshment as he's playing, I want him to spend all the time doing that because I know that that is going to then allow him to actually be a viable, joyful part of this community serving people to what? To perform the ultimate purpose, which is what? To make disciples. So, so if, if, it sounds weird, but if listening is what gives you joy, by the way, not this. Oh, she did what? I'll pray about it. No, that is, that's garbage. That's not a function. <laughs> that's a devil function, right? But if, if listening to someone, like some people have said to me, Pastor, I just can't listen to anybody. It just overwhelms me. Well, that's not your function. But, if, but, but Thursday morning, there's two or three people that come in here every single Thursday morning and they set up this entire church. They vacuum it. They do. And they, you know, they're not coming in going, hey, man, this sucks. It's, hey, what's going on, man? I'm like, well, you are weird. Like, you're coming in here being happy to vacuum? Absolutely. That right there is their function. And we need it. So what I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you very clearly, Right? What do you do that builds the body? And if you don't know, please go talk with someone that you know that will help you ascertain that. Because not doing it 
is hurting the body. The purpose is the same for everyone. This, though, gets recycled. So I, I want you to bow your heads. I want you to bow your heads. Because this is actually more spiritual than some of you have made it out to be today. There is some deep, deep weariness to some of you right now in your relationships, in your relationship with this church even. And I think it comes down to the simple fact that you've been shamed or guilted into a function that is not yours. And, 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 and you know what? I'm just going to say this as you have your head bowed and eyes closed. If I have... Uh, if I have twisted your arm in any way, shape, or form, or any leader, I, I apologize. Because what I want and what I believe for sustainability is that we take joy in what God has given us to do. And so I think that there is a group, a handful of people right here that don't feel like they know what that could be, what their function is right now. And I, I, I genuinely want the saints in here because, listen, guys, while you have your eyes closed, I want you to understand this, okay? When someone gets this, it lights them up for the Lord. And the kingdom of God, our main purpose gets advanced. So this is a big moment for me. And what I want is for those that are in this room that currently know exact, you're in the perfect center will of God when it comes to your function, I want you to pray for those that do not. By the way, I think this is a time for repentance right now. Because I think that there are some in this room that have been rebelling, frankly. You've been pushing back against this. And I'm asking you today to surrender that pride. And I'm asking you to just let the Lord speak to your heart. He will. And then the third thing would be this. For those that are operating perfectly in this. I'm asking you to ask the Lord to supernaturally empower you to increase your effectiveness.